You are listening to the podcast from Mosaic Church. Stay tuned afterward for more info about how to get and stay connected with our church family. Now, let's dive into this week's message. Hi, everybody. So great to be with you today. Welcome to Mosaic Church Online. Let's get into our scripture reading today. It's going to be taken from the book of Galatians, chapter 5. You can follow along on your screen. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit It's love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. And that's God's word today. Now, to start our time in God's word off today, start this message off, I just want to get something off my chest really fast. I want to talk about the group of people that I like the least, or to be a little more polite, the group of people I have the hardest time with. And this group of people actually aren't even people who do anything to me at all. This group of people are the people who do things that aren't nice to my kids. The people who are mean to my kids, who uh, manipulate my kids, who bully them, talk badly about them, humiliate them somehow. Uh, one night, not too long ago, after one of my son's football games, and he, they had lost the game, I was out front putting the car in the garage for the night when I noticed something happening down the street. There were these two young men walking towards our house in the dark. They were carrying something, and when they saw me see them, they got acting, started acting real funny, turned around, went the other way, so I went back in the house to see what would happen and if they would come back and they did and then when they were up in my lawn I saw it was these two teenagers carrying a a sign and I knew one of them from our neighborhood so I busted out of the house and I said hey fellas what's going on look at you in our yard at 10 o'clock at night what's happening well what's that in your hand they said this I said yes they said it's a sign I said oh really what's on the sign they turned it around There was a bunch of mean stuff written on there about our son, my son, carried our son. 
about how they had thought he had lost the game, how they blamed him for the loss. I said, oh, I see. It, it, was, it was his fault, not yours. That's right, because I don't ever actually remember seeing you out on the field. Now, I didn't say that. I only thought that. What I did say was this. Guys, guys, why don't you take that sign and go home? And to the kid I, I knew, I said, hey, why don't you tell your dad I said hi? Now, as you can imagine, I was super angry about this, and Carrie was like, let it go. They're 14. I said, no, I'm going to go down there and talk to them with these hands. And she said, no, you are being ridiculous. You're not going anywhere. And, of course, she was right, and I did it. Now, listen. At that point, that kid, he could have come back to me, said he was sorry to me, maybe given me a big offering. Maybe he could have sung me some songs. Maybe he could have praised my holy name lifted his holy hands to me. But things wouldn't be okay between us until they were right between he and my, between my son. Now on the other hand, on the other hand, at a different game, at a different time, sometime later at a basketball game, a kid on the other team plowed over my son. The referee called my son for the foul. I may, I may have spoken loudly to express my displeasure with the refereeing as I watched my child writhe in pain on the floor, at which point the referee may, may have started walking over towards me to identify me, trying to find the voice that had said something to him when all of a sudden from behind me another parent Sensing I was in trouble, he piped up, started talking about the call, letting the referee know, at which point they sent someone to talk to him, to the other parent, not to me. And after the other parent got his lecture, I turned around, I looked at him, he winked at me, and he said, you owe me one. And I turned back around to Carrie, and I said, you know what? I like that guy. I like that guy. I don't even think he goes to Mosaic, but he is my favorite church member ever. <laughs> Why? Because he stood up for one of my children. And when, when, you, when you treat one of my children well, it's like you're treating me well. So welcome today. We're in the middle of a series where we are taking a look at that one little two-word amazing phrase we see all over the Christian scriptures. It's that phrase, one another. And more specifically, we're trying to look at how we fill in the blank when it comes to how we one another, one another. What word ought to come before one another? Love, serve, encourage, spam, robocall, ghost. How do we one another, one another? And the reason we're looking at this in depth is twofold. Number one, it's because right now, right now, right now in our nation, it's more important than ever to get this right. But even more important than that, number two, it's important for followers of Jesus to get this right. And here's why. It's because when Jesus Christ came into our world, he is the person that if you're a Christian today, you are saying he has founded your faith. You are saying he is unique, unlike anyone else. You are saying he did something brand new in the world. And you know what? If you're saying that about Jesus, you're right. You're correct because Jesus, first of all, Jesus gave us a brand new covenant, a brand new way of connecting with God. Jesus broke through and he punctured something. I'm going to unpack this thought for a moment. He punctured something that sociologists call the sacred canopy. The sacred canopy, what's that? Well, the sacred canopy is a term used to describe every religion, faith system ever created since the beginning of time. And it goes like this. 
all people who have ever lived, they, we don't want to face death. They don't want, we don't want meaning in life to end. We know we want our meaning and our values, our culture to continue. And so sociologists tell us we invent religion to fill that gap and to create a sacred canopy, a tent of meaning, a covering of importance over our lives, over our culture, over our people. And religion is at the heart of that canopy and religion is at the heart of that tent because because we want to be right with God or the gods. We invent sacred places with sacred texts who are always kept and held by sacred men wearing sacred clothes. You'll notice it's always sacred men who are allowed to hold these texts, never women. But sacred places like temples and tents and gardens where sacred men handle the sacred texts and create a sacred canopy over their culture. And you'll notice these religions, even though they're all different in a way, they all all have one thing in common. They are always for one people group or centered around one ethnic group or only acceptable in one language. So a famous sociologist, guy by the name of Peter Berger, he came along a few years ago. He looked at all of these religions, all these faith systems and with a lot of other people, he said this. He said, humans do this to make sure we're right with God or the gods. We do this so that we can be assured that our people group is good, our family is good, that I am good. And so we create rituals and steps and pathways to make sure that I, we are right with God. Berger said, all religions do this except, he said, and he was not a Christian when he wrote these words. He says, except for the historical peculiarity of Christianity. The historical peculiarity of Christianity. What was so peculiar about Christianity in history? Well, from the beginning, there were no sacred temples. There were no sacred priests. And the sacred texts of Judaism, which these first Christians inherited, were seen in a new light. They were seen as being far less about one people group and far more now about being about one person, the person of Jesus. And they began to be seen in this light by, and this is so important to see, by people of every language and every nationality and every skin color In other words, because of the brand new covenant of Jesus, they saw there was no one special culture, one special people group that God was for. Somehow, the early Christians saw and discovered that through the teachings and the life and the death and the burial and the bodily, physical resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, seen an eyewitness by hundreds and hundreds of people, that because of Jesus, what Jesus did that now, Anyone can be, I can be, you can be accepted by God. And so here, 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 now is the crucial difference between the gospel of Jesus and every other religion and faith system. Because of and through Jesus Christ, Christians can know and experience that they are not right with God because of what they do, because of what their family has done, because of what their ethnic group has done. But they can be right with God because of what Jesus has done. That's his good news. That's the core gospel message of Jesus. And these first Christians, they saw that because of that, because God, God is good and Jesus came to be our goodness, then now we can be right with God. We can be good with God. We can know because of Jesus that God and I are fine. He loves me. He loves us. That's the new covenant. We are loved by God, not because of a system or a religion, 
but because of a person. That's what was brand new about Jesus, but that's not all that was brand new. That's not all that contributed to create the historical peculiarity of Christianity because not only did Jesus give us a new covenant, he also gave us a new command. And that new command was and is this. Love, he said, love one another. In other words, he's saying, in my new covenant, because of me, you and my father are good now, 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 now. Here's what it means to have that relationship between you and my heavenly father. To be in relationship with God means you must love one another. He's saying life in my kingdom is way different than life under the sacred canopy. Life in your old religion. Life, he's saying, in my kingdom is marked by one single overarching command, love one another. And this is so hard for us to get. This is so hard for us to live. This is so hard for us to apply. We just slip back into that old canopy life in so many ways. Let me just illustrate a few of those for you. If today, if you have ever felt worse about missing church than how you felt about treating that person, that's not life in the kingdom of God. That's life under the sacred canopy of religion. If you've ever thought, well, I know I took advantage of them, or I know I shouldn't have said that to my kids, but if I can just get back to that building and eat that bread and drink that juice, I'll be okay. If you think that, that's not life in the kingdom, that's life under the canopy. If you've ever thought, well, I know I shouldn't have done that with those people last night, but I showed up today, I served, I gave my money, so I'm good with God, that's not life in the kingdom. That's life under the canopy. If somehow your belief in God today allows you not to make things right with the person you have harmed or allows you somehow to hate that person, that people group, and it's more for you than it is for others, that's not the Jesus way. That's the Egyptian way. That's the Babylonian way. That's the Assyrian way. That's the Roman way. That's not life in the kingdom. That's life under the canopy, in religion. And here's the difference, the core difference of each. Life under the canopy, it's all about you. You feeling good. Your culture may be being preserved. Your conscience being okay because of what you have done. Oh, but life in the kingdom, it's different because God has settled that question. He has told us we could never do enough to be right with him, but he has done it all to make it right with us. And now, 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 along with that new covenant, we get a new command, love one another. See, the Jesus way, it's not about you. It's about your neighbor. A new command I give you, said Jesus, love one another as I have loved you. You've already received my love. Now give it away. And this is why, this is why over and over and over the writers of the New Testament, people like Peter and Paul, they could say stuff to the early Christians like this. We read it from the, the letter of Galatians to the Galatians. Uh, chapter five, verse six, Paul writes, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Look at this, verse 14. Go ahead and read this out loud with me. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
You know the reason why, why you don't lie to your neighbor, why you keep that command? You're saying it's because, well, you know, it's in the Bible. There's a command in the Bible because the Bible says that we shouldn't do it. Now, on one hand, that's true and right and good, but the main reason why you don't lie to your neighbor is because lying hurts your neighbor. It hurts the you beside you. Do you know why, why you should be generous with your money? You're saying it's because, man, I heard somewhere that if I give God a dollar, he's going to give me 10, to which I would say, mm, no, that's not what that verse is about. No, you don't give to God because God needs the money. Come on. God's doing okay financially. I think he's going to make it through. No, you give because when you give, when you're generous, it helps other people that God made and God loves and who need your help. My help right now. See, generosity helps others. Not giving hurts to you, besides you. You know, you know why. You know why we shouldn't gossip, like Morgan. Well, you know, I don't really gossip, but do you want to know who does? <laughs> no, no, we don't gossip because it puts others down around us and elevates ourselves. When we gossip, gossip hurts the you beside you. Do you know why you don't insult someone? on social media, why you don't exaggerate their position to make your point, why you don't demonize someone of the other political party, why you don't say you can't be a Christian and be a member of that political party. It's because if you do those things, that's not doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. If you do those things, that's making you good. People like you good because of what you do and people not like you bad. That's Religion, that's life under the canopy. That's not life in the kingdom of God. That's not loving your neighbor as yourself. Bad behavior online hurts the you, beside you. You know why you don't, why you don't just decide to use your sexuality however you want? You say, Morgan, well, I know. It's because the, the Bible says that sex is reserved exclusively for, for marriage. Well, that's, that's part of it. But Why? Well, it's because just like every command that God gives, it's because when God gives us a command, it's always out of love. God's commandments show us how to love one another, what loving one another actually looks like. And so when you have sexual expression outside of marriage, you are hurting the person you are not married to, and you're also hurting the person, another person. That person may get married to one day. See, Christians are people who do not create regret for others. Christians are not people who pressure someone sexually. Christians are not those who become the person who gets talked about in therapy. You say, well, Morgan, well, okay, I get it, but, 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 but what if it's consensual? What if it's consensual? <laughs> Well, you got me there. Got no answer for that one. Hey, you know, I guess if two people want to do something that's consensual, it must be fine. No, not at all. It's like the, like the time two of my kids wanted to have a contest to see who could hold their forehead to a hot stove the longest. This really happened. They turned up that electric stove to high. They had a contest. Who can hold their forehead to the stove the longest? And let's just say when that happened, because it did, the winner was the loser. And the loser was the winner because when the second kid saw what the first kid had done, he said wisely, I'm out, you win. And now listen, I had no idea that was happening. But if I had, if I had known, if they would have come to me and said, Dad, look, it's consensual. We decided together 
We're going to burn ourselves. What would I have said? Well, well, go ahead. It's okay. No. Hear me. Consent alone is not the mark of something good or right that happens between two people. And it doesn't matter. You know this. Come on. It doesn't matter if two people or a hundred people or a million people consensually decide that something is right. If it's wrong, it's still wrong. Why? For example, slavery. Does owning another person hurt God? Well, kind of, but remember, God's fine, but owning another person hurts another person. In all the New Testament imperatives are only variations on this single theme, love one another. Look at this from the reading today in Galatians chapter 5. Paul writes this. He says, you, you all, plural, my brothers and sisters were called to be free. You got some freedom. This is so good. But do not use your freedom for you to indulge the flesh. What's your freedom for as a Christian? He says, serve one another humbly in love. Even your freedom isn't for you. If it says if the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Let me ask you, does this seem like it was written to help you be a better you? Well, maybe, maybe a little. Does this seem like it was written to help God be a better God? No, God is good. Remember, God's fine. Then why was it written to help you love your neighbor as yourself? as Jesus has loved us. And even right here in Galatians, moving on a bit with the famous section we read on the fruit of the Spirit. And by the way, if there's one thing I know that Christian people love besides Chick-fil-A, it's a sermon on the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit, Pastor. Now you're talking. It's like adding that slice of cheese to the holy fried chicken you already had in your order. But, But why, why, why should we grow in the fruit of the Spirit? For ourselves, Paul writes this. Look at this, fruit of the Spirit. is Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there's no law. Those who belong to Jesus, they've crucified the flesh. Let's, since we live by the Spirit, let's keep doing that. Verse 26, let us not become conceited, provoking, envying each other. Is the fruit of the Spirit just for us? So we have like this epic quiet time. With Jesus. No, Paul says it's so that you're not conceited, so you don't provoke and envy each other because that hurts the you beside you. And so, so right, right now, right now, if somehow, some way, somewhere you're gone, you've been off looking at the lights in your room or you're online shopping somewhere, come back to me for just a moment. I want you to hear this. Because right now, right now, I can hear the objection. Morgan, you're just like oversimplifying the whole Bible, Morgan. You don't understand this today. You don't understand where I'm coming from, Morgan. What about this issue or my difficulty? You don't understand. Let me say this. On one hand, you're right. I'm sure I don't understand it. I would never, and I mean this in total sincerity, I would never pretend to grasp the complexities of your life your difficulty. And by the way, the Bible actually tells you 
that no one can ever fully understand you. That's what the Proverbs say. And actually, the Bible goes so far as to say that you don't even fully understand you because of the effects of sin. Have you ever asked yourself why you did that thing? Why you hit sin on that text or email? Yeah, yeah, Paul the apostle did too. He says, I don't understand what I do. So let's not expect others to totally understand us when we don't even totally understand ourselves. Only God can fully understand you and your situation. So, so what God in his full understanding of you and of me and God in his full understanding of humanity has done is this so that we couldn't miss it. He has put at the very center of our faith his own son, Jesus, not a rule or a book or a law or a command, but a person who died in pain, who died in agony, covered in his own blood, taking absolute responsibility and ownership for sins he did not personally commit while at the same time praying for and forgiving those who were abusing him and killing him. What am I saying? I am saying that following Jesus, that life in the kingdom of God is far less complicated than religion, far less complicated than life under the sacred canopy somewhere. But it is far more demanding of you and of me. And because of this, and because that is true, and you know this, some of you, I've done this, you look, I look for the loophole. Can I just go to church and be fine? No, no. Jesus said, leave your gift at the altar. Like, don't even come worship me until you've made it right with someone you even think has something against you. Oh, we say, is it really sin if we do this, we ask. How far can I push the line, we ask. The Bible never says that, we say. There's no verse about that, we say. And on one hand, you're right. There might not be a verse about that, but, but let's be honest. You don't need another verse. You've already gotten a verse. All of them are summed up in this one verse. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love one another, Jesus said. That's the new command in the new covenant. And so the reason, in the end, that the church succeeded and the reason that it became the historical peculiarity of the Roman Empire is not ultimately because they had a lot of verses, not because they had sacred temples or priests or texts, even though, yes, the Gospels and the Epistles were treated and treasured and, and seen as inspired and authoritative as they should be. But come on, come on, for years, the Church of Jesus did not have those. And still it grew, and it grew, and it grew, because the Church did not create Christianity, nor was created because of the sacred text. No, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead created the church, created Christianity, and he taught his disciples to love one another. And so the reason that the first church flourished is because they forced themselves to ask and answer this single question. In light of who Jesus is, in light of what he has done for me and for us, what does love require of me? What does love require of me? Maybe it requires me now today to sit down across a table, <laughs> distanced, masked up with someone on the other side. And let's just face it, right now in America, it feels like everybody has a side. Only in America right now could we politicize something like a blue inanimate mailbox. We've been reduced to fighting 
for masks, mailboxes. Does that sound like life in the kingdom of God or life under the canopy? This is where we are. So what's our path forward? Jesus of Nazareth, in his final address, his final words, his final parable in the gospel of Matthew before he goes to the cross, he turned to his disciples. He turned to us, to all those who would follow him, and he looks us all square in our prayer journals. And he said this, gave this parable. He said, when the Son of Man comes back, that's me, he said, by the way, when the Son of Man comes back and I return in my glory because I'm returning again one day to put all things right, when I come back in my glory, here's what's going to happen. All the nations, he said, because remember, it's not about one nation, it's about all the nations. All the nations are going to be gathered before me, he said. Jesus said, I'm the one who's actually going to judge the nations, and here is what my judgment will look like. He said, I'm going to divide every human life into one of two groups. On the one hand, it will be the goats who go away to eternal judgment and punishment. On the other hand, they'll be the sheep, and I'll say to the sheep, Jesus says, come, receive your inheritance, all the good I've stored up for you and here is why those people will receive that he says it's because when I was hungry you fed me at which point if I heard that if I'd have been in that crowd I'd have been like "Eh, Jesus I don't remember seeing you at the church picnic do you remember seeing Jesus at the church picnic no I don't remember that when I was thirsty Jesus said you gave me something to drink like Jesus gets thirsty that's kind of weird when I was a stranger Jesus said, you invited me in. Man, how did, how did Jesus sneak in? You know, he always did have a way of disappearing in a crowd. When I needed clothes, you clothed me. Like, for real, Jesus? You, you needed clothes? I thought you had like a, like a white robe with your name on it in heaven somewhere. When I was sick, Jesus says, you cared for me. Wait, hang on. Jesus gets sick? When I was in prison, Jesus said, you visited me. Wait, wait, Jesus broke? The law? When you did these things to the least of these, said Jesus, you did it unto me. When you loved one another, especially someone who did not fit in your categories of who deserves it, because remember, my kingdom is not about who deserves to be forgiven, who deserves to be accepted. That's religion where you earn it and people like you earn it in my kingdom, said Jesus. My kingdom. My kingdom. When you love one another, it's like you're loving me. You know, it's hard to be right with God if you're not right with his kids. I imagine we could probably give a big offering today. We could sing some songs that blessed his holy name. We show up in a building, but I think if, if we're sneaking around, putting signs in our yards or signs on social media about how we're good and they're bad. I would imagine our Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father would want us to know this. When you do that to them, you're doing that to me. When you hurt my kids, it's like you're hurting me. But the real yard sign, so to speak, in my kingdom is this, that you love one another. Against such things, there is no law. That church Could you imagine if we did this? Could you imagine if we just lived this for a month, what would happen in our family, in our church, our neighborhood, this nation? 
we just asked and answered that question, what does love require of me? I think, I think that somehow we might begin to see the answer to the prayer Jesus taught us to pray. Your kingdom come, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hope you can say amen to that today, church. Let me just take a moment and pray for you and ask for God's grace to help us live this. Jesus, we come and we love you and we just acknowledge we can only do this because you loved us first. Now we're asking you, give us help and grace to love one another as you have loved us. Pray these things today in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more info about how to get and stay connected to Mosaic Church, please visit us online at www.mosaicchurchaustin.com or download our app from your app store.